Hi, and welcome to State House Soundbites, WITF's Pennsylvania Politics Podcast. I'm Katie Myers, State Capitol Bureau Chief for WITF. You can hear my stories on public radio stations across the state. And with me today at uh, our usual table in Little Lamps Coffee Shop are two uh, Capitol reporters, Angela Columbus with the Philadelphia Inquirer. Welcome, Angela. Thank you. And R.B. Swift with Capitol Wire. Thanks for coming down. Yes. And so... Um, we had a quiet week for the most part in the Capitol. Um, they were not here. The lawmakers were not in session. A uh, couple of things did happen, though. And, RB, I'll start with you. This was sort of a, I guess, a historically significant thing this week. Uh, we got word that uh, Three Mile Island, a uh, nuclear plant close by here, is uh, slated to shut down in a couple of years. Now, you uh, have covered that for a while, right? I was actually, you know... Here, I've been in Harrisburg a few weeks when the accident happened. And uh, this was in what year? March of 1979. Right. So that was my introduction to Harrisburg. <laughs> and what an introduction and, it uh, is. What it was. And uh, so, and I covered intensely the first few weeks and then sporadically after that. So, but it's certainly um, the idea that this plant would shut down, the, and this is the Unit 1 reactor that was not damaged in the accident. The other Unit 2 reactor uh, is has been shut down. It's a high-level radioactive waste site, basically. Mm-hmm. And so if this happens, um, it would be, uh, I think, a historic uh, yeah. significance, for, for, especially for central Pennsylvania. Yeah, absolutely. And so now this nuclear reactor, it's been in, you know, in operation. How long had it been in operation before the meltdown in 79? It was opened up in the 1970s, yeah. so it was only a matter of years. Um, when it, when it had been operating, right, and so that was obviously that was the most that was the highest profile nuclear accident in the United States. That's correct. Yes, um, and it has stayed that way for many decades. So now, uh, you know, I think there's some context with this that Pennsylvania's energy profile has been changing, the economy of energy in the state's been changing. So this is really tied to the, like the influx of natural gas that we've had. Isn't yeah, it? The, what's happened is the discovery of the Marcellus Shale reserves, basically in 2007, has led to. Uh, Cheaper natural gas rates, and and that and there's been more companies converting from coal to natural gas. You've seen plants converted, and all this is also there have not been new nuclear power plants built in the United States, and so even the ones that are operating still parts are in short supply. You know, uh, so it's been a business that has not been growing. Uh, so now what happened with uh, the owner of TMI when they went to one of these auctions to sell their power, they weren't getting bidders for it. And that was the catalyst for their announcement that they plan to close. Now, they also set a caveat about, you know, any any changes in state policy, you know. So that leaves a whole other thing, whether, you know, there would be some effort to try to prop it up. Right. And so... Talking about that effort to prop it up, because we have heard uh, we have a you know a nuclear mm-hmm. caucus in our yeah. legislature. There's been some chatter about that, but it's a pretty niche issue, I would yeah. say, it's, right? It's it, a niche, niche issue, but it's been basically was it's been coming in other states before this. New York, Illinois, and Ohio have all seen proposals out there advanced to varying degrees to basically either um, surcharge customers to you know provide some more money for the nuclear plants or to um, do other things, maybe in, in these states' energy portfolios, mandates that you have to buy nuclear power to try to help them out. Uh, the proponents of this argue that uh, you know jobs are at stake at these power plants, 
hundreds of jobs. Uh, there is, interesting, a coalition, unusual coalition formed against this, which includes you know, natural gas companies, but also some manufacturers, the Pennsylvania Manufacturers Association. And they're saying that um, the, the nuclear plants should operate in the market, the deregulated market that was set up for electricity that was set up here 20 years ago. And that at the time that plants were able to recoup investments under that deregulation for money spent when they invested in the first place. So if this comes to a fore, it will be, I think it would be a, a pitch battle in the General Assembly. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, we talked about, and you said yeah. there's some, some precedent for this in other states. Now, when this is brought up, it's generally referred to, and I think this is sort of a political term, mm-hmm. but, you know, bailing out the nuclear industry. Um, so, like, you know, it, how effective has that been? And you said you mentioned New York, and I think, what was the other state? It, it got, got, actually got passed in New York. But my, my belief that there's been a court challenge to it. Okay. So um, mixed success. Ohio has sort of been blocked. Yeah. So I'm not sure it's fully, any state has fully gone ahead with it yet. Okay. So, I mean, sort of a little, yeah. little bit of uncharted territory yeah. when you start speculating on that. Um, so I guess getting back to the, this week's announcement. Yeah. So what, what's the timeline for the, when this would be They're shown? saying, you know, two years from now, 2019. 2019. That, that this would, would take place. Now, you know, this gives a lot of time for this debate to take place. You know, some people, I, I remember someone telling me that this thing was going to be on the plate back in December. Right. The nuclear bailout issue. So some of you wonder if some of this is all choreographed. Okay. And so, yeah, I want, actually, I want to ask you about that because you mentioned this to me, I think, uh, yesterday, that it could be sort of a choreographed thing. Now, yeah, with this, the threats out there, yeah. this, this, the caucus gets formed back in March. Now, the, the Exelon had been the, the company that had, in other states, had moved ahead with the same, you know, announcements, I think in Illinois. And, and all of a sudden, you, you know, have the specter of the plant shutdown and jobs. Right. And so there's yeah. been speculation that yeah. this plant could shut down for at least five years. Yes. Right? Yes. So, okay. So that's nothing new. And you mentioned to me, I remember yeah. you looking, you're digging around yeah. for a column yesterday. Uh, you had written this, what, in the mid-'80s? The, yeah, the funny thing is that the voters in this area actually voted at one time in favor of shutting down this Unit right. 1 at TMI. So this is this not is a new concept. 1982, it was in the wake wake of the, you know, the issue was still pretty hot. Yeah. Uh, the cleanup of the, of the Unit 2 reactor was still going on, but the accident, so-called accident, was, you know, officially the crisis was, had been over. But at that time in Pennsylvania, you had a phenomenon where counties could put so-called advisory referendum, non-binding referendums on the ballot, and voters could, like, you know, give their say on some issues. It didn't happen often, but it did happen. So basically non-binding referendum means voters can say, this is what we We think, think. but nobody has to act on it. Right. In this case, it was... Dauphin, Cumberland, and Lebanon counties voting two to one to shut it down. Okay, and so they voted two to one to shut it yeah. down. Did anything ever happen? Nothing on ever that? happened. Okay, yeah. so this has been an issue, yeah. <laughs> not necessarily like you know, it, it, for different reasons. There have been pushes to shut down TMI yeah. for a very long time. Yeah. So, um, you know, we mentioned that this could be a choreographed thing. Do you see like a legitimate push being formed to like bail this out? I think there will be a push. But I'm also, I was struck when I saw the coalition against it. Right. I was struck basically when I saw the Pennsylvania Manufacturers Association. Because um, they're pretty powerful. Yeah, and they were a business lobby. So that said to me, this thing, uh, that to me it was very interesting to see them. And there's also some consumer groups in this coalition, too. Yeah. So it's, it's an unusual coalition. 
And so now, um, and I think this is sort of the final point on this. So TMI, obviously, we've heard that this is, uh, it, it's not the most successful power plant, in part because it had a reactor meltdown and a two-reactor plant. Like changes of ownership. Changes of ownership. It's had a lot of yeah. turnover. It's had trouble yeah. getting, you know, it's selling electricity yes. on the grid. It really can't do that with any yeah. um, consistency. So, I mean, this was a particularly vulnerable uh, nuclear reactor and also a very high-profile right. one. Yes, exactly. But I think all the whole nuclear industry in this state and in others, are, it's in trouble. Yeah, it's been, once again, I don't think there's been a new reactor built in the United States since the TMI accident. Right. And that says a lot about, uh, you know, about... Well, I mean, the one up in Berwick, Susquehanna plant, was in construction at the time okay. and finished, but none, no starts. Right. So this is sort of this is a symbolic yeah. nuclear reactor. Yeah. Yeah. It sort of, I think, struck fear into the hearts it's of many known, people. This story is known in Japan and Germany. Oh, absolutely. You know. All right. So we will be following yeah. that. We'll see what happens with it. I think you're going to be following the story, yes. right? Um, all right. So that's TMI. Uh, and... Uh, Certainly, there's more to talk about with that, but we'll move on for now. Uh, Angela, you had a story this week that I read. I think this was a pr- pretty comprehensive one on uh, lawmakers had to file their gift disclosures, their That's financial right. disclosures this month. Um, so this is an annual thing. It was a pretty lucrative year for them, was it not? It was. I mean, we've been looking at financial or statements of financial interest for years now, and they did used to be worse. I mean, Arby, you can check me on that if I'm wrong. I mean, you traditionally would see a lot more overseas trips by a lot more legislators. This year, what we saw um, is more of a handful of legislators taking, uh, you know, these sort of high-profile trips. There was one to Nigeria. Um, there was another to New Zealand. Um, there were things like uh, Sixers tickets being given to legislators uh, who then in, in turn would share them with constituents in their, in their communities. Um, so those are the types of gifts that are reported. But it's all of this is happening against a very different background these days. I mean, number one, there seems there have been pushes for years to reform uh, Pennsylvania's, uh, you know, gift policy. Um, but there has been quite a, a bit of an emphasis on it because there was this high-profile prosecution of. Um, uh, stemming from the 2014 disclosure of um, lawmakers in the Capitol accepting cash in envelopes from an undercover informant. And how many years ago now was that? That was in 2014, okay. and uh, the legislators who were outed as part of that effort um, have, mo- almost all of them, really there's only one exception, have either uh, left public office and pled guilty to uh, a lesser charge or pled no contest um but so so the the idea of people putting down and disclosing gifts in this kind of environment raises a lot of eyebrows and there have been and there were some high profile uh protests last week in the capitol where there was a group uh it's a statewide group called march on harrisburg they came up here and protested the legislature's continued inaction on legislation that would pretty much ban most gifts, right. not all of them. And so, yes, and I wanted to get into that. So we saw, um, I do think, like, the gift disclosures on their own might not be news, but just the right. fact that this is all sort of, it seems like it's coming to a head now. Obviously, the budget is, uh, you know, 
coming right. out in a month or so. And that's always a big time for right. lobbying and for trying to get big pieces of legislation right. passed. So now we do have legislation, and this has been part of the, I think, uh, the big controversy with all these protesters. And we talked right. about this on the podcast last week with your husband, yep. Mark Levy of the AP. Um, so not to berate this point too much, yep. but I do think it's been a really important thing in the legislature for a long time. There's a bill now in a committee. It's right. been in the House State Government Committee since right. January. It spent all of last session there as well. Right. It's not moving. Um and that's, I think, largely because, you know, there are lawmakers who are pretty unwilling to move this legislation or they just don't want to deal with it. The, so the uh, representative Metcalf, who chairs the committee where the bill is in now, uh, told us in an interview that uh, the, the bill isn't moving because it simply isn't a priority right now. There are other things like the budget that are rising to the top in terms of what they want to get done. Sure. Having said that, um, you know, it's not necessarily him. I think he has lots of people in his ear saying we don't want this. And why? Because somebody who I interviewed, um, it was a a background interview, told me, look, you can be a legislator and you can come up to Harrisburg from your district and every single time you're up here, you won't have to pay for a single meal while you're here. Yeah. People want to take you out to dinner. People want to take you out to lunch. People want to take you out for drinks. And all of that stuff adds up. And at some point, you're going to have to disclose it. So, so you know, if you put in a gift ban that pretty much axes that off the list, you're giving up a lifestyle right. when you come here. So there is... You know, it is a perk for legislators, and it's a perk that they get. I mean, I try and remind readers this all the time. It's a perk that they get above and beyond this the per diem that they get when they're up in Harrisburg, which in theory they're supposed to use for room and board and, 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 and meals such, and, and meals. Things. Yeah, and we should say that so this is made possible because Pennsylvania, and, you know, this is not an exaggeration, Pennsylvania has one of the loosest laws on true. accepting gifts in the entire country. Some have argued that it is the loosest. Um, and I don't know. I mean, you can make a case for that. But uh, so they don't have to report anything under $250. That's right. Or if they hit, I think it's like $650 right. from one source over right. like the year, then they have to report that. So right. you really don't see, we had, I think, $145,000 of gifts that were reported this year, give or take. I think yes. that was the number. And so that's not too much but for the whole legislature. But that also means that you're, there's a lot of things that just don't get reported because they don't true. have to be reported. So I actually I want to play a clip because um, so Rick Sacone, he's a Republican right. who's sponsoring um, the legislation that would impose limits on these gifts. Uh, this is sort of what he said about it. He's been talking to colleagues, I think, on and off. I don't know how much of a priority the bill is at this second. But so this is what Rick had to say. We'll see if we can hear this. My colleagues will say, well, Rick, you know, my constituents aren't asking me about this. So they're not complaining about this. I'm saying that's because they think it's already the law. They're assuming that we don't do these things. So basically he's saying, you know, people, the, the impression I got from him is that people find a reason to not pass this legislation. But I think, I mean, do, do you agree that maybe constituents don't know exactly what they're allowed to accept? They don't think this is going on? I think so. I think they're reminded of it from time to time when there is some sort of scandal or some really high-profile gift that has been given that gets reported on. But for the most part, they you know they may not know that in Pennsylvania you can accept 
almost anything from anyone as long as you report it if it's over the the, the monetary thresholds that you mentioned. Right. Yeah, and RBS, you, you're smiling over there. Um, so you've <laughs> reported at the Capitol for a couple yes. of years. Um, so, you know, you see these lawmakers who, you know, they do go out to dinner frequently mm-hmm. with lobbyists, people of that nature. Do these things form relationships? Like, this is, is this a legitimate thing to be worried about? Yes, they do. And there's actually, uh, especially this coming month, uh, one thing that people may not be aware of, you, in the Capitol, especially during the morning, there'll be a committee meeting in the room, and outside there'll be sometimes a Bunsen burner with some food there <laughs> or uh, boxes of pastries, and there'll be no, be no sign by it, but all of a sudden everyone going to that committee meeting seems to know about it right. and grab a few and get, get some food or the aides seem to know about it, and this is just... This is this free food put out by lobbyists. Right. And they don't put their names on these tables, but they magically appear and they set up. And so this, especially during the month of June when they're very busy right. here. And that to me is somewhat, is somewhat outrageous. Yeah, I, I just think I think lobbyists do have a lot of money and they have a lot of power in the state capitol. I don't yeah. think there's any way around that. So then, Angela, um, so we had these gift disclosures. We have this stuff that's moving through. I mean, we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now, but like... Are we expecting anything? No, Katie, there's always an excuse as to why they can't get to the legislation. Usually it's the budget that it's, you know, sometimes it's pensions. Sometimes, we can only do yes. one thing at once. Right. We cannot focus on multiple issues at the same time. So, I, I mean, I don't see it. And, and actually, I, it was Rick Saccone who said this to me in, in our interview last week. He said, listen, unless the public starts calling their personal legislator's office, and, and saying this is a priority for us, do something, you're probably not going to see any major movement on this. All right. So if you are a member of the public listening and you think, hey, this sounds a little bit funky, you know, look up your legislator, give them a call, see where it goes. Because um, otherwise we'll be back here <laughs> this Again. time next year talking about the exact same thing. And God knows we'll be bored of it. Yes. Um, RB, you're probably bored of it by now, Angela. Sure Absolutely. you are, too. Um, all right, so those are, I think, two of the main issues this week. Anything else that you guys, that caught your eye over the last week? Anything else that you guys are planning on looking at? Angela, I know we have uh, Graham Spanier tomorrow. Yes, so uh, Graham Spanier, the former uh, Penn State president uh, who was convicted in, in March of uh, child uh, welfare endangerment, is going to be sentenced tomorrow in Dauphin County. Uh, prosecutors filed uh, some sentencing memos uh, that were unsealed today, and it, it does appear that they are looking for jail time for uh, Graham Spanier. Whether that happens or not is is a big unknown, and the reality is that if you look at the sentencing guidelines, um, it looks like nine months might be the the maximum under the or twelve months, excuse me, might be the maximum under the sentencing guidelines, and he will likely not start serving that until all of his appeals are exhausted, and he has certainly indicated um, if he does get jail time. I mean, obviously, but he has indicated that he will be appealing. Yes. That's been something that it's been right. going on for months and months and right. months and months, months related to Jerry Sandusky. Um, so that's a high profile case. We'll be watching that. RV, anything on your radar? I think this coming week, uh, and could be a longer week. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, yes. Talk that the Senate may come in Sunday. It has, I'm not sure it's been announced yet to 
start work on, on their pension bill. To build this to, coming Sunday, yes, this weekend? Uh, Sunday night, they can have Sunday this night. thing to do. Uh, here. This, and this would be where you start converting the pensions for new hires for state government and state school district employees into 401k type plans, part of it at least. And then there's talk that the House could be in for a longer four days into Thursday, maybe doing pensions, uh, also taking a look at the Senate passed gambling bill. So these are obviously two issues that have been at times tied with the budget, at times disconnected from it. Uh, but if they were to uh, resolve them in mid-June, wouldn't that be something? <laughs> <laughs> it certainly would. Yeah. Um, so we'll be hopeful on that. Definitely much more budget talk coming up. That's due, and in case you've somehow forgotten, if you're paying attention to all this, the budget's due June 30th. Often it's not done by June 30th. We'll keep our fingers crossed this year. Um, uh, all right, anything else? Any final words, guys? I mean, you know, just that it is Jude 1st. There are 30 days left for them to really figure out some major issues that they have been wrestling with for years. So now they're trying to sort of truncate that whole debate into 30 days. I, I mean, it, the dynamic may be a little different this year because we do have a gubernatorial election coming up next year. And Governor Wolf obviously has said he's going to be running. Senator Wagner, um, who I'm sure, you know, it will weigh in on the whole budget discussion, has announced that he is seeking the Republican nomination. And we also have strong indications from House Speaker uh, Mike Terzai that he is very interested in, in running for uh, for the Republican nomination. So I think all of that, that dynamic, that political dynamic will play into this year's debate. Absolutely. All right. So tune in next week. We will keep you posted on all of that. Hopefully we'll have something to report. And uh, thanks for listening. Okay.